y'all, and welcome to Crying and Trying, the podcast, the comprehensive guide to cultivating emotional intelligence in a fucked up world. This podcast focuses on how oppressive systems and the human experience interact and impact mental health. As a disclaimer, I am not a licensed mental health care professional or expert. I am just a human who has lived the mental health experience, sharing my story and giving my advice. Please, if you or someone you know needs help, please seek it out immediately by a professional. We will have hotlines, warm lines, and other support resources in our show notes. Hello, hello, listeners. It is me, your host, Lexi. Welcome back from my break. Thank you for being patient with me while I took some time off. Um, So at the time of this recording, I'm still currently on the break. I have no idea when this is going to come out, when I'm going to feel okay to start releasing episodes and being back on my shit. Um, So uh, timing of things in this might be a little off, but that's okay. Um, So last few episodes, if you've listened to them, you know that I'm struggling, (laughs) not doing well. What else is new, right? Um... I don't think that it's really possible to be doing well under the crushing weight of late-stage capitalism, unfortunately. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. The the thing that I want to focus on today is um, some more therapy stuff. So I had an episode season for episode five on IFS therapy. I gave kind of a little breakdown of um, you know, what IFS therapy is, and then went through a session that I had and kind of, you know, the feelings that I had afterwards and some of the processing that I did. Um, so I wanted to do some more of that just because this last session was also really insightful for me. Um, and I think that, you know, sharing my therapy sessions helps me to process them, but it also shares what I'm doing in those sessions with my listeners. Um, and while it's not like a me prescribing you to do this as well for yourself. It very much is, um, you know, a tool. Maybe you can start using this method of thinking about things in the same the same sort of way that I am. Um, I also am just going to give a disclaimer that just because this works for me does not mean it's going to work for everybody. Um, my partner is in psychodynamic therapy. I am in this type of therapy. They're very different. And I don't think that my partner would be successful using IFS. Um, and that is, you know, also really important to know is that like therapy is not a one size fits all. Um, and sometimes things that your therapist do aren't going to work for you or, you know, um, you might have to go through multiple therapists before you find one that's a good fit. Um, you know, I was very lucky. I found this therapist through benefits at, um, a previous job that I had, and I was able to stay with her paying out of pocket, uh, because she does live in a different state. Um, but anyway, so I'm going to give a little, um, like basic summary of what IFS is, and then I'm just going to jump right into what we talked about in the session. So IFS is, um, stands for internal family systems, and it's a modality of therapy in which, um, you know, the, the individual, the self is made up of a bunch of parts. So you have different parts of yourself, you know, parts that are protectors, parts that are worriers, parts that are planners, parts that 
Um, you know, act like a, a parent, parts that act like an inner child, you have an inner critic. And, you know, whether you use this type of therapy or not, everybody does, um, you know, have these parts within themselves. When you have a moment, you're like, oh, well, I want to do this, but I also want to do this. Those are two separate parts of yourself that are having polarity. Um, and it is through these different parts. Um, it's so this type of therapy, the way that helps me to kind of understand it is thinking about dissociative identity disorder or multiple personalities. I was actually really into um, DID as a kid. I read the book Sybil, and which you know definitely shouldn't have read a, at the age that I did, but I was an avid reader, and I, um, you know, I read that book and I was fascinated by it. Um, and so, like when, so DID is kind of like the extreme version of this, where your parts become so strong and want are trying to protect you so much that they kind of take over, and it breaks your psyche into multiple personalities. Um, and so, you know, I try to think of, you know, using IFS as a less extreme version of DID, um, and having like conversations with these parts of yourself. And it is through talking to these parts and getting to know them that you do a lot of healing. And, um, so I know, I know this really sounds cuckoo. Um, you're like, oh, so you just sit there and talk to yourself. And like, no, I'm not just talking to myself, but I'm, you know, interrogating my beliefs and why I'm doing certain things and why I feel a certain way. Um, and so, you know, I, okay, yeah, I'm going to leave that there. Um, if you want a little more context, I really do think you should go listen to the first episode in this mini series. Um, and then I, there is also an episode in season one where I still had my co-host Allie at the time, and we talked about different modalities of therapy, and I kind of gave a rundown of it there as well. Um, but it's also something, you know, I'm not an expert in this. This is the therapy that I use with my therapist, but I'm not, like, trained in it. I don't know all the terms. I don't know all the vocabulary. Um, I'm not an expert, okay? I'm, I'm reminding you that I am just someone who does this in my daily life, um, and I'm sharing that experience with y'all. Um, so some background on my most recent therapy session. I, um, try to see her every two to three weeks, um, is what really works for me. Ideally, I would really like to see her weekly, but I just can't afford it because, um, I just can't afford it. That would be a lot. I see her, if I were to go, to go weekly, it's, um, like a hundred and, $35 a session, I believe. And, um, you know, because I really like her, I'm choosing to stay with her rather than trying to find a new therapist, which is, you know, more costly. She doesn't accept my insurance. She lives in a different state. I have to pay out of pocket. We did recently just start, um, like, uh, uh, she has this service where she can, um, do out of pocket reimbursements for therapy. So I started doing that, um, like literally this last session. Um, but I can't see her as frequently as I would like to. And then life gets in the way as well. And so the last time I had seen her um, was near the end of August. It was uh, right, either right before or right after the end of August, because that's the trauma anniversary of me getting fired. Um, so I, I remember talking to her about that. And then I didn't see her until, you know, almost the last week of October. So almost two months without seeing her. And I have multiple trauma anniversaries this time of year. You know, I was fired. Um, I was actually 
on Halloween that, um, I don't even remember when it was, uh, 2018, I think maybe 2017 that my abuser was, uh, applying for parole. I got that notification. So it's just like, it's a challenging time of year for me. I also have seasonal affective disorder on top of my regular depression. Um, so it's just a really tough time of year for me. And I really need to see her as frequently as I can. And it just so happened that I wasn't able to, I had to cancel, um, one session because of work. Like I was the only manager who was available for something. We had no other choice. And I hate that I canceled therapy for work because it's so hard to get another session. She is booked out weeks in advance. Like even when I'm on the cancellation list, 99% of the time, I don't have availability when she does. I work during the day and that's when she works. And so unless it just so happens that it's a day off that I have, like I really can't, can't go because it's, it's also something for me. It is a telehealth appointment, but it's not something that's easy. Like I can do in the middle of the day. I prefer to bookend it, like do it at the beginning or the end of the day or have it, um, on my days off because I don't know what we're going to talk about. I don't know how escalated or triggered I'm going to be. And it's really hard to go back to work after therapy sometimes. Um, so I canceled this and then I wasn't able to get another appointment. And then the next one that we had scheduled out, um, she had to cancel. She had gotten in a car accident right before she was fine, but she went to the ER anyway, just to like double check and make sure everything was okay. So long story short, it's been about two months since I've seen her and I'm not doing well. And I really, really needed to see her. And I just have a lot of, a lot of things that I'm, I'm struggling with right now personally, um, relationship wise, a lot of self-esteem issues. I'm just not feeling like I'm good enough or that, you know, my, I have anybody who cares about me. I'm feeling really lonely. Um, so I mean, on top of all the other stuff that's happening right now, the, the genocide of the Palestinian people is happening. Um, and that is affecting me so intensely. Like I just, (laughs) I mean, I, Like, I don't even, I can't even speak about it. Um, It's just so upsetting what's happening and and the fact that we're expected to go on with our everyday lives while there is a literal genocide happening and and thousands of people are getting bombed and, like, indiscriminately bombed. It's just, it's really hard. Um, And and I've just felt so, I mean, within the past few weeks, I felt really numb and dissociated. I just haven't really been able to to emote the way that I want to. And this is, you know, kind of what our session was about is I was like, you know, I feel like I am not emoting right now. Um, like I'm not. And and she was like, so what do you mean? Like she, she was really confused by what I meant by emoting. And, and I didn't even really know what I meant either, but I was like, you know, I don't feel like I'm feeling my feelings the way that I am supposed to be and, you know, supposed to and should are words that are uh, really limiting. They put you in a box and they make you feel like, you know, there's only one right way to do things. And so, so I've been feeling really numb and just like, normally my emotions are really free flowing. Like they just come out. I let myself feel them. I'm not afraid to cry. Like, all of this sort of stuff. And, you know, my first thing that I said to her was like, you know, I am not emoting 
anymore. Like I, and there was, you know, a specific instance that I shared with her where, you know, I really felt like I needed to cry and I couldn't. And that's really unusual for me. You guys know that if you've been listening for any period of time, like I, I cry at the the drop of a, a hat. And, and so not being able to cry was concerning me. And I was like, this isn't right. This isn't normal. Um, and I don't like it. Um, and I'm like annoyed with myself because I didn't take as many notes during the session as I wanted to. And, um, so it's going to be a little disjointed. Um, so yeah, so I, you know, I wasn't able to emote in the way or I told her, I was like, I am not emoting. I am not feeling my feelings. And she was kind of like, well, what do you mean by that? Can you tell me more? You know, as a therapist does. So, you know, she was like, well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean you're not emoting? And she was like, um, like, I want to understand more of what that means. And I was like, you know, I haven't been able to cry and I haven't like been able to really talk about my feelings. Like I've been shutting down and, um, you know, so it's not like, I'm just, I'm not emoting. And so she was just like, but you are like, you're still having emotions. And, and I think like the thing that we really got out of this session is that like, I, the biggest cognitive distortion that I fall into on a regular basis is, um, black or white, all or nothing thinking. It has to be A or B. It has to be black or white. It is either or. There's no and. And, you know, so I was, I was talking to her and I was like, okay, well, we were talking and I was like, you know, my, my reactivity is really high. I'm, I'm feeling snappier and like that I, um, you know, just I'm reacting to things instead of responding to everything. And so she's, you know, like, oh, okay. So, I mean, you being reactive to things, is that not emoting? And, and so we, we, we talked a lot about like what I meant by emoting and, um, and I really wish that I took better notes because I, I don't remember what I said at this point, but it was definitely along the lines of, you know, I'm just, I'm not able to feel as freely and let things come out as freely. Like, I feel like I have to compartmentalize a lot more and it's just really challenging to do that. Um, and so, you know, I, through the course of this conversation, we uncovered that there is a part of me that is really struggling to let me feel two feelings at the same time. Um, and that's, you know, the black or white thinking that I am so stuck in. Um, and so, you know, like, so we also talked about, you know, how I, we go on this annual Vermont trip, Alex and I, and, you know, I, I, didn't have a great time this year. Like I was really sad and, um, didn't even really want to go. And, and that was really upsetting to me because, you know, this is a trip that I normally look forward to and it just wasn't even bringing me joy this year. And, 
we we were talking and she was like, well, it seems like, you know, that part, there's a part of you that while you were really sad and, and not feeling yourself, it was just really difficult to also enjoy things and be happy. And, um, you know, I was like, I, I guess part of me feels like I'm not allowed to feel multiple things at the same time. Um, which I know I do. I do feel multiple things at the same time all the time. We all do. And, you know, this happens when I'm like, oh, well, I want to do this, but I also don't want to do this. And I want to do this instead. That sort of thing. And so, um, so, you know, we had a lot to talk about in this session. And a lot of it was just like, you know, I, I was talking about how affected I am by the genocide that's happening in Palestine. Um, you know, and the fact that I am just so incredibly burnt out right now. And, you know, it's like, I kind of described it to her. Like, I feel like I'm just playing catch up with my emotions constantly. Like, and this is something that has been brought up in these episodes multiple times is that I'm I'm stuck in burnout mode like my and I'm stuck in survival mode again and some of the the things that are uh clues to that that I know that I'm in survival mode are you know I am snappy I'm really reactive um I'm sleeping a lot my eating is off um like I so I, I like I won't sleep well at night and then I like will um have a really hard time waking up and then you know on my days off I end up napping the entire day by accident um so my sleep schedule's all messed up and then I also have uh my diet's not great like I've been str- really struggling to eat food like I have no energy to make anything um and like everything just sounds disgusting or doesn't taste good and so honestly, the past few days, uh, weeks even, like I'm I'm almost starving myself and it's not purposefully, but it's like I will be so hungry and then it's just like I'm so hungry, I'm overwhelmed, I can't decide what to eat and then it goes away and then like it comes back and so then I don't realize that I'm hungry until it's like the extreme. Um, and so some of this too is like, you know, I believe my ADHD I'm undiagnosed, um, self-diagnosed, but like I'm 90% sure that I do have ADHD. And so it's like, you know, I'm hyper-focused on things and then I'll forget to eat. And then by the time I remember, like I'm too nauseous to eat. And so like, you know, that's another sign that I'm in survival mode. My diet isn't great. Um, and just, you know, everything exhausts me. I, don't want to do th- anything. I don't want to, like, I, I did a lot. I went to a lot of concerts this summer and it was like every weekend I had something I was doing and I would take time off of work, but all my time off of work was for, to do something. Like I didn't have any time off to just be and, and be my, be by myself and do nothing or just like craft or, or whatever it is. And so you know, in this session, we, we come to realize that like, yes, I, I still very much am 
in survival mode. Um, um, so, you know, we, and this episode is less coherent than I wanted it to be. And now that I'm like recording, I'm just like, oh, this cool. Very disjointed. I don't know what I'm talking about. So I apologize. Not a super strong season opener. I might, um, it might not be the opener. We'll just have to see. Um, but you know, a lot of this session was talking, started talking about, you know, why I I feel like I can't emote. And then she was like, well, what do you mean by emoting? So we talked about that. And then it got to, oh, well, you know, I realized I'm stuck in black and white thinking. And, and what I meant by that was, you know, I am, okay, so I just, I like, I'm having a hard time putting this into words. So, you know, I, I am not doing well, right? We've established that. Haven't been doing well for a while, but at the same time, I am doing better than I have been in a long time. So it's like, you know, my window of tolerance is widening. Um, and so like there's, I, I'm, I'm able to do more things. And like, this is something, you know, I've been going to work consistently. I haven't, um, I've been working a lot of overtime, like, so it makes sense. I hate this. So, you know, I was like, you know, I can't emote. I'm not emoting. I'm not allowing myself to feel my feelings. And so we had a big conversation on it. And she was like, what do you mean you're not feeling your feelings? And I I don't remember the conversation exactly, but like it does, like I am feeling my feelings. But the thing is, is I'm not having as big of outbursts of emotion, um, which is what I'm used to, right? Like I my emotions are explosive. My emotions are big. My feelings are big and they always have been. And because I've been a little more dissociated and a little more numb, my emotions haven't been quite as explosive. They haven't been as big. Like, you know, when I was sad, I would feel really sad. And when I was angry, I would feel really angry. And in talking with my therapist, I realized that I am feeling my feelings. They're just not quite as intense, you know? And I'm uncomfortable not being in survival mode because survival mode is all I'm used to. And so, like, we kind of came to the conclusion that I'm almost self-sabotaging and and falling back into the habit of, you know, being in survival mode because that's what I'm used to. And that's what I'm comfortable with because I've been in survival mode for so long. And so then it's, you know, there's a part of me like, and that, and that's something that she said many times throughout this session, the motto of a protector, which is a part of you is to protect at all costs right? So the protector's job is to make sure that you don't feel this way ever again, whether it's helpless, alone, you know, whatever multitude of things it could be. A protector's job is to protect you at all costs, at all costs. It doesn't matter what else is going on. And, and so 
this is where the conversation about the nuance of impact versus intention came up. And we talked a lot about how, you know, certain parts of us, you know, are still young and stuck at a certain age. And, you know, and a lot of this was, um, you know, sharing anecdotes from her own therapy and then, um, things that she's talked about with other clients, obviously not violating HIPAA, everything was anonymous, but that's one of the ways that I learn best and understand best is through comparison and comparing things and having an analogy. Um, And so, you know, she was kind of talking through this. So again, I'm sorry if this is discombobulated. Um, You know, I, I don't have a good memory and this was a week ago and I didn't take great notes and I haven't been organized. Anyway, so the motto of these protectors is to protect us at all costs. And so while the intent is well-intentioned, like these protectors want to protect me and they want to make sure that I am okay, they are inadvertently putting me back into survival mode because that's where they're comfortable. That's what those parts and all of, and myself are used to. It's where we're used to being. Um, and so when I'm, you know, not emoting as much and I'm starting to feel safer and I'm starting to feel more stable and comfortable, I kind of always inevitably slide back into this space where, you know, I am escalated, I'm not doing well. Um, and it's, it's like that black and white thinking again, right? It's like, oh, well, unless I'm escalated and upset and I have these intense emotions all the time, then I'm not okay. Because that's how I've been surviving is in that space. And so I'm kind of training my parts and um, not even training, but I'm, I'm getting my parts to trust me um, as the self. My parts. And so like, I mean, if you think about it, like, Sybil, for example, if you guys are familiar with that story, um, in that case, like Sybil was abused as a child. And so a part of her is still very young. Like she had a a personality that was really young. And so sometimes these, these parts are not even aware of what's going on for the self. Um, so the way that my therapist kind of described it to me is like, you know, you may have a part that is younger that is, you know, in middle school or even a part that's in college. And, um, like the, the thing that she, the story she shared with me to kind of flip this switch was one of her clients, um, a part was like a, in middle school and that person was like 25 now. And the part of them that was in middle school didn't know that they were an adult they, that part still feels like a middle schooler. Um, and you know, this client was suicidal and, and really didn't think that they were going to make it past the age of 15. And this part turns, comes to find out, wait, we're alive. We're 25. Like what? And it just kind of like shifted things. And so, you know, in, in this conversation, I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, so maybe there are parts of me that don't know that I'm safe yet. Um, that I'm not in that situation. And, and that's definitely what's happening, right? Like 
whenever I felt comfortable with somebody and I let my guard down is when I get hurt. (laughs) And, and so there's a part of me (laughs) that doesn't want me to get hurt. And so they're not letting me put my guard down. So I'm, I'm in fight or flight mode and I'm out of 10 and I'm escalated all the time. Because at all costs, this part is going to protect me from getting hurt. They don't know what the danger is. They don't know if there even is a danger, but they just know the last time you let your guard down, you got hurt. And I'm not going to let that happen again. And so I think that that's a huge part of this is like, it's not, and, um, and it's just like, it's so, it's so hard because like, logically I know I'm safe and all this stuff, but I've talked about this before. Like when you are, um, when you have PTSD and you're in in survival mode and you're triggered, like your, your, your brain and body like take over, um, logical thinking isn't as possible. Like your amygdala is in control. It's just like, it's challenging. Um, and And so, you know, my, my parts are kind of inadvertently putting me back into that space because that's the only space that they know how to operate within. Um, and, and those parts are scared too. And, and like, that's, that's a lot of what we talked about too, is like, where, where are these parts coming from? Like, what are they operating out of? And we came to the conclusion. And again, like I haven't interrogated these parts a lot. Like, this is, it's hard work to do this. And it's not like, and that was the thing too, is I was talking to her. I was like, you know, I feel like I'm not good at doing this until I see you. And then I sit down and I'm like, oh yeah, duh. And it's like, and that's her job. She's there to guide me through this stuff and to kind of help me through the process. And it definitely isn't something that I am uh, nearly as good at as I want to be yet. And that's okay. It's going to come with time. And I, I really do know that. And I know that it's, um, there's a learning curve and it's going to, it's going to take a long time and it's going to take a lot of work. And, you know, I am okay with that, but there's also a part of me that's not okay with that. And they're like, we just want to be better. Like we want to fucking figure this out. And, and so like, that's what a lot of this work is, is, you know, talking to a part and figuring out why it's doing a certain thing and what its motivations are and where it's coming from. And in doing this, you know, I'm talking to these parts of myself. It's kind of like, you know, digging through your memories and your past and being like, hey, you know, why, why do I have this behavior? Or why do I feel this way? Or why does this trigger me this way? And it's kind of like uncovering all of these things that these parts have been through. Um, And, you know, I have a lot of protectors. I've been through a lot of shit. You know, I was emotionally abused for most of my life. I have a lot of financial and um, trauma. I was homeless for a small portion of my childhood. Um, You know, I was parentified very young. I had emotionally immature parents. I was molested. Um, I've had financial problems since I've been an adult. It's just like a lot, a lot of things in my life have made me unsafe and And so when I start to be okay, there's parts of me that panic and they don't know how, like, I don't know how to be okay. I've talked about this before. Like when I am okay at like, or I like, I don't know how to relax and I don't know how to like 
just just be like I'm always like my brain is always going and I'm always worried about something and I'm always thinking about something and 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 there's a part of me a lot of parts of me probably that that know that that was the only way I was able to get through like when I think about it and I think back to college and stuff I'm like how the fuck did I make it through and it was honestly there was a part of me that all I focused on was school And that's how I got through. I didn't worry about how I was feeling. I didn't worry about my past. I didn't worry about my trauma or any of that stuff. I just focused on school. Um, And then as soon as I didn't have that big, huge thing to focus on, like my life kind of fell apart. Um, Because, you know, there's grades and all this other stuff that goes along with it. And for whatever reason, school was just really easy for me to handle. And it was my coping skill when I was in middle school and high school. It was my coping skill. It was the only escape that I had from my abuser. And it was the only thing I was allowed to do. I didn't really have friends. I didn't really go out and do anything. Like I was very sheltered because that's what my abuser, um, you know, wanted. And so I just did school and that's how I got through. And that's what my brain and body did through college. I just did school. And then once school was gone, I kind of started falling apart. And it's like, okay, I don't have school anymore. Now I don't know what to do. Now I don't know what to do because it's like, you know, school would take all day and then I would work on homework. And so it's like, you know, my whole life was devoted to school Um, and work. Yes, I do work a lot. And, but my whole life isn't devoted to work. Like I go to work and then I come home and I don't have to do homework for work. Um, And so it's kind of, you know, I, I feel like my parts are a little lost. Like they're this is new territory. Even though I've been doing this for, I mean, what, I graduated (laughs) grad school in 2015. Um, I'm sorry, 2016. So what, seven years that I've been out of school. And in the past seven years, I have been struggling. Like I feel like I'm drowning and like, I can't, can't get ahead. And it's a big part of it is because my parts don't know how to handle this. Like I don't have something to distract myself quite as much. And so I have room to deal with these things and to work on healing, but it's, it's scary. And so, you know, the conclusion that we came to is a lot of my parts um, are motivated by fear. They're afraid. They're afraid of getting hurt. They're afraid of failing. They're afraid of doing things the wrong way. They're afraid of being judged by other people. Um. And so like, that's a lot of what, what we're going to be working on is kind of digging into that. And, and, you know, it's just scary work. Like it's really hard. It's opening up a lot of stuff that I haven't thought about in a long time that I've repressed. And so it's hard and there's resistance and that's expected and that's okay. Um, and. Like the one thing that made me like fucking lose it at the end of the session, and this is something that we talk about a lot, is that it's like, you know, we're not going to do anything that your parts don't want to do. Like if, you know, a part comes out and we're like, hey, like, can we talk? And like, there's too much resistance. Like, we're not going to force that part to, to share or to be open. Like, we're only doing what I'm ready to do. And, and like, 
and through this process and slowly like getting my parts to trust me. Um, and you know, I, I realizing now that I didn't finish a thought earlier, but like the, the fact that certain parts don't know that I'm an adult, certain parts don't know that like I am taking care of me now. Certain parts of me don't know that I, I have control over my environment and my space and, you know, the things that I'm exposed to. Um, and so I think a lot of the work that I need to do is, you know, getting some of these younger parts that are really avid protectors that are really, you know, set in their ways. And, and like, I'm going to protect you at all costs. Um, trying to let them know that like, I am safe now. I am not in danger. Um, because my body feels like it is. And that's why I'm not doing well. The body's not meant to be in survival mode constantly. It's not sustainable. And that's where I'm at. I'm in survival mode. And it's like anytime I start to come out of survival mode, my parts panic and put me right back in survival mode. And so it's this cycle and I'm I'm slowly starting to break it. And it's hard. But like starting to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, and just like, you know, I don't have to be escalated all the time. Like it's okay to not have super intense feelings. And, you know, I am allowed to have more than one feeling at the same time. And I don't know. I I mean, so this is, I feel, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, I don't need to be sorry actually, because this is, this is a part of me that is worried about being judged for not having linear thought patterns, for not making sense, for, um, you know, jumping around from topic to topic. And, you know, it's a part of me that has internalized capitalism, you know, that we're supposed to um, you know, speak and act a certain way. And, you know, if it's not a perfectly polished podcast, what's the point? Like, why are people going to listen to if I'm not professional and I don't have it planned out and I don't have a script that I'm following? And, and there's a part of me that constantly feels the need to apologize for that. I'm sorry that this is all over the place. I'm sorry this didn't make sense. And I'm curious about why that part feels the need to apologize so much for that. And I don't really have the space to get into that right now. But I am curious about why that part feels like I this show has to be polished and perfect. Because there's another part of me that's like, no, that's not what this show is about. This show is about being real and about showing up as we are. And and showing the messy and showing the 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 crisscrossy convoluted patterns and and paths that we take to get to where we are. So yes, part of me is sorry if this was hard to follow, but then another part of me is like fuck that. Like it's hard for me to follow too. Why am I apologizing to you as listeners when I myself have a hard time following this and I have a hard time making sense of what I'm feeling and where these feelings are coming from. So this episode may have been all over the place and that's okay. 
I think that's a that's a really good representation of where my my head my head is at right now and where my emotions are and you know what's happening inside my brain like you know I I'm flip-flopping between all these different feelings and and like I said at the beginning I have a hard time feeling two things at the same time um and so you know when I think about that in in terms of you know, being, being safe. Like I know I am safe right now, but I'm also depressed and like, I can feel safe and comfortable in my environment and in my relationships and also still be depressed. And like, that's okay. And I think that that's a a big part of the problem is like, I, it's okay to feel multiple things at the same time. And it's also okay to not feel things super intensely. And so, you know, kind of circling back to the beginning where I, I said, I'm not emoting. We came to realize, you know, I'm not emoting in the way that I'm used to. And so that feels weird and hard and uncomfortable, but I'm still feeling my feelings. I'm journaling. I am processing them. You know, maybe I'm not verbally talking about them with other people, but I'm definitely thinking about them. I'm writing about them. I am tweeting about them a lot. Um, And it's just, you know, there's a part of me that's like, but this isn't how we usually do this. So we're obviously not doing it at all. Black and white thinking. Like I am still emoting. I am still feeling. It just is presenting a little differently. And so there's a part of me that's like panicked because it's like, we're not feeling anything. We're not doing anything. What's wrong? And it's like, no, we are feeling and emoting. It's just not as intense. And that's okay. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Just like I said, all over the place. Sorry, not sorry. I mean, part of me is, part of me isn't. Um, but if you've hung around this far, like, you know that this is just kind of how the episodes are going to go. Um, and I think that this is a big struggle that I have, um, especially when it comes to the podcast, because I was always such a perfectionist and I still am working on unlearning being a people pleaser and a perfectionist. And like, you know, if it's not perfect, what's the point in doing it? But the point of the show isn't to show perfection. The point of the show isn't to curate a certain version of myself. The point of the show is to be real and to share what I'm really going through um, and to be authentic because I think it's that authenticity that um, is really going to help me to change the world. Like I'm not going to change the world on a large scale, but, and, you know, this was actually, I, I spoke to my mom on the phone last night about something that will end up being another episode. Um, but she just kept saying over and over how like, I'm so open about my mental health and I'm so open about the the things that I struggle with and that that's what sets me apart and miles ahead of other people. It was really weird hearing like praise almost from my mom. So that's a whole other thing. Um, but like, that is what people love about me is that I'm open and I'm authentic and I'm honest and and that's what I love about myself. And so, you know, I th- there's a, a big part of me and I think that's why, like, I've been having difficulty getting episodes out is because they're not perfect. They're not polished. I don't have an outline. I'm not planning. 
And so I'm like, I don't deserve to put this out because it's not good. And that's the black and white thinking. Like, this can still be good and beneficial and useful to somebody without it being perfect and polished and linear. And honestly, like, I feel like my neurodivergent family, like, the people whose uh, brains are like an interconnected web of, of things are going to understand what I'm saying. So maybe this won't make sense to neurotypicals, um, but I'm not neurotypical. So I don't know. I don't know. That was, <laughs> I feel like I just keep getting off topic and off point. But anyway, this <sighs> IFS internal family systems, it is hard to, to do this work and to figure out where, what, where these parts are motivated from and why they do the things that they do. Um, but it's so worth it. Like I came out of the session feeling amazing and, and just like, I don't know, revitalized. I had a lot more hope. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm doing good work. I am doing good work and you know, I might not feel like I am okay right now and that's okay. I am working on it. And I'm doing everything I can. And and sometimes it's okay to not be okay. And, you know, I think that I have been maybe trying to force those less than pleasant feelings down. Um, But I am going to feel my feelings. I am going to continue journaling. I'm going to continue, um, you know, trying to talk to people as much as I can so I can get out of this depressive slump that I'm in. Um, so my gratitude check for today. Um, so it is Halloween, um, just up for the day of recording for, uh, context for y'all when you're listening, but my lizard Rick, so I have a bearded dragon. And for people who don't know, um, reptiles do go through their own version of hibernation, which is called brumation. Um, so when they're brumating, they're really sluggish, lethargic. They're not, um, you know, eating as much. They're not moving around as much. They don't poop often. And, you know, I've only had Rick for two years. And so he's brumated twice. But every time he brumates, I'm panicked that he's actually dying. And that, like, he's not just brumating. He's dead. And he's 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 sick and he's dying. Um, and, like, he started brumating earlier this year. Like, he started in the summer. When he normally, like last time he brumated, he started in like December. So I was like, part of me was worried that he was sick and dying and he is moving around and back to his normal self. So I'm grateful that Rick is out of his brumation. So I I don't have to catastrophize and worry that he is dying. Um, I would love for you to share some gratitude with me if you're listening to this. Um, But yeah, uh, with that, keep trying to get through your menti bees and crying in your shubbies. Bye, friends. Thanks for joining for another episode. You can find the show on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at crying underscore trying underscore pod and on Facebook at crying and trying pod. You can also find me personally on Instagram and Twitter at L-E-X-G-O-N-G-I-V- it2ya underscore. If you'd like to email the show, feel free to send us questions, comments, episode suggestions, and any other feedback you want us to see 
to cryinandtryinpod at gmail.com. The best way for a small independent podcast like us to grow is for our listeners like you to share your favorite episodes with your friends. You can also rate, leave a review, and follow the show on your preferred streaming platform. And engaging in any of our social media posts will always help us be more visible. If you would like to support the show with a small one-time or monthly donation, you can do so through our podcast page on Anchor or through the Buy Me a Coffee page where blog posts related to the show are posted. All donations, no matter how small, go right back into the show so I can continue bringing you high-quality episodes. I am a proud member of the PodPros community and utilize PodMatch to connect with many amazing guests. This podcast is researched, recorded, produced, and edited by me, Lexi Hamsmith, using Anchor by Spotify. Thanks for listening.